Welcome to the 20th episode of the Cranky Flyer interview presented by Ontario International Airport. 20 seems like a pretty big number and uh, it's a good milestone to maybe change things up a little bit. Now I'm not really changing much, but hey, you like the new background music? Anyway, on this episode, I head south of the border, way south, to speak with Avianca CEO Anko van der Werf. Okay, so I didn't actually go down there, but I did hop on a video chat and pepper him with a variety of questions. Before we get into his answers, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Ontario International Airport, America's fastest growing airport three years running. Ontario, or ONT, stands ready to meet the travel needs of one of America's most robust population centers as global aviation begins its return to normal. ONT is indeed excited about what 2021 will bring, with a host of new nonstop destinations and state-of-the-art measures in place to ensure the health and safety of all passengers. Recently, ONT was honored by the Airports Council International with its Distinguished Airport Health Accreditation, in recognition of Ontario's unbending commitment to protect travelers, visitors, and employees from health risks during these challenging times. From ONT's use of powerful antimicrobial technology and enforcement of masks and social distancing, to its opening of an on-site COVID testing clinic for passengers and the community, the airport has been a model for putting safety first. ONT also has been a model of resiliency, maintaining a greater share of its passenger volumes during the pandemic than all but two other airports in the U.S. That trend is poised to continue. In recent months, Ontario's airline partners have announced new flights to Chicago O'Hare, Honolulu, Las Vegas, Miami, Newark, Orlando, Phoenix, Sacramento, San Francisco, and San Salvador. The year ahead will continue to pose challenges, but the airport is confident with the support of staff and partners, that ONT will remain one of aviation's best success stories. Visit flyontario.com for more. Now, let's get on with the episode. Anko van der Werf, thank you for uh, talking to me about this. You are the, the CEO of Avianca. You arrived in July of 2019, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's correct. So when you arrived, Avianca was in a challenging place, shall we say. Well said. Uh, previous fights between owners, uh, friction issues with maybe overextending into a variety of different places around the continent. So when, when you came in, and, and you came from Aeromexico, right? Right. Um, what was your strategy when you came in uh forgetting about what happened in 2020 <laughs> you know how did, how did this look when you came in yeah well if, if we would have known uh about 2020 in advance then maybe we would have done some things different although um I, I do think that much of what we did in 2020 was actually just just following on from 2019. now look um yeah so so I, I, and i think this is the right starting point right of course you, you always start at the beginning but our beginning was so challenging that I do think it uh, it merits a bit of uh, of explanation. Um, I, I had this very unsexy slogan, which was uh, back to basics, um, and I think that that sums up pretty much every single part of what we tried to do back in 2019. Um, the there <clears throat> there had been indeed a lot of well turmoil. Let's put it that way, right? Yeah. Um, so the back to basics was also about an emotional way of just calming things down, right? First, we were just 
hey guys, let's calm down, exhale, and we just need to focus on the business again, right? Um, operationally, things were things were not great. Um, you you may recall that Avianca went through one of the longest strikes in the in the history of aviation back in 2017. So, um, and the wounds had simply not healed. So also back to basics was right back to a normal labor relationship. Um, on one of my first flights, I asked the pilots how often they were in touch with management. Um, and, and they told me, um, I asked them uh, once a month, once every two months or whatever, right? And so, well, we haven't been in touch with management for two years. Um, so th- then you know that there is something wrong, right? So this is so an back easy to place to start, it seems. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, so labor relationships was again, just hey, calming things down and making sure that we understood that we were on the same team. Um, and then, and then, commercially speaking, uh, you said something which which I subscribe to. Um, I think we were overstretched. We were, uh, yeah, we were trying to be a lot of things at the same time in a lot of different markets. Um, so again, back to basics. Let's let's in a way shrink, which we did, number of aircraft, etc. Um, but also make sure that therefore. Our, our core in a way is healthier and therefore hey we push utilization up I, I have to get my numbers straight again for 2019 but I think we went down from 190 or 190 something aircraft to 156 aircraft and actually ASKs went down by about two percent um, right because we just focused stuff more so just back to basics right what do we do well and what do passengers expect from us which is um, yeah, in a way, not rocket science, right? I mean, it's just planes on time, bags on time, planes on time, bags on time, and and that's and that's what we did, focusing on a few key parts of our business. Okay, and and now, of course, being down two percent sounds great today. <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a dream, I suppose. Um, yes. But you know, what does basics mean at Avianca? Because you could go back to the Taka merger, uh, you know that sort of transformed the company in a way. Now, I believe, so Avianca Brazil and Argentina, those are separate, right? Those were not, I mean, they're That's gone correct. now. They're never part of the holding. But yeah, you had correct. Peru, which came from the Taka side, I think, and then you had Ecuador, was it Aerogal? Ecuador, or? Central America, of course, a strong hub still in El Salvador. Right. Yeah. So what is, what did back to basics mean? Did that, you know, was was there a specific geographic focus, or uh, was it more just about the basics of running any company? Basics of running any company. How do you treat each other? What do you want to focus on? How do you work with data? Um, how do you actually take decisions? Um, and again, much about the labor relationships and making people understand that they're one company. Um, look, we we implemented. Um, on the 1st of January 2020, a, a, an on-time performance bonus, which, which was uh, Roberto's idea, the, the, the chairman, um, and, and I wasn't really sure whether I liked it or not. And my, my big point was I want people to be one team again, right? We have to be one team because you, you know for a fact that if, if different departments within an airline don't work together, well, then there's a breakdown somewhere in the process, right? And and in the end, the one who will feel about it, the one who will be confronted with that breakdown is the customer. And so I did a lot of one team things and, and making sure that people understood each other and that it would accept each other again and what have you, right? I mean, all the, all the soft things, basically. And Roberto came with, well, what we did at DACA actually was an on-time on performance bonus. Now, we had already 
move the on-time performance um, metrics up from, well, let's call it low 60s to mid 70s or something. But but that bonus was, I think, a great way of just making or, or solidifying um, the one team uh, spirit. And everybody really was was running like crazy for it, not just, I think just for the bonus, but for showing that we were one team again, um, right? Which which really is just it's so natural to us, right? And you and, and and we all know that it's important. But when you don't do it, well, then you drop back to on-time performances in the 60s. We went already up to the 70s. And with within months, we really were at the 84s, 85 levels, right? Um, which is very decent. And we were back again, I think, in the top 15, I think January, February last year or something, top 15 worldwide. That is, that's where we're supposed to be, right? And that's got nothing to do yet with big financial decisions and, and all the reprofiling of debt and everything else that we did in 2019. That's just about back to basics. Okay. And in, on the network side and on the fleet side, I mean, you, you have quite the motley fleet of, <laughs> you have a, a lot of different types of airplanes doing the same thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, an air, an air show, right? We had we had our own air show, basically, <laughs> uh, on a daily basis, yeah. No, so so what, what, what we did there, 318's gone, the, the E90's gone, simplifying, of course, our fleet. Um, and and highly likely going forward, there will be still more of that. We we don't have any decisions on that yet. But 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 again, if you look at it, look at the cargo fleet. If you look at the white body fleet, but right, there are still various of those decisions that we really need to take now. Um, but that was one fleet simplification, and then secondly, network simplification. Right, we were trying to do all sorts of point to point routes, which with that cost structure that we had back then, um, and and again stretching ourselves so very thin, just simply didn't work. Um, so, yeah. yeah, focus on the big few important points for us in our network. Bogota is an, is an easy one, right? It's a 10 million people catchment area uh, where we have a big slot portfolio and where, of course, hey, the domestic market is it's roughly a 50 million people country. Um, yeah, that's a sizable market and you can do things. And we were very relevant there, right? And, and, and we will be going forward. Um, but then if you look at other markets, Hey, Ecuador, um, great market, good routes, also domestic, and and of course some international. In Central America, I think El Salvador is a hub, very efficient, very good operation. Um, I think the country doesn't always get the credit that it that it should get in many in many different areas. But as an as an airline country, um, it's impressive what they've done, right? And what Taka formerly had built, and what of course what we inherited. So those were the the three focus points. Uh, for you going forward, so Avianca Peru was shut down, right? Avianca Peru was was unfortunately shut down last year when we went into Chapter Eleven, yeah. um, and that that really wasn't part of the plan. That wasn't the idea. Uh, we were streamlining uh, back in 2019, and and I went there a few times and explained to all the staff what our views were, um, and and we still had a a um, yeah an important focus on Peru. We we were very clear and open to many people. We had been losing money for years, and I think pretty much everyone in Peru had losing money for years because it was one of those very competitive markets where there was just way too many airlines and everybody, well, trying to kill each other. Yeah. Unfortunately, then when COVID came and we saw that we, we had to become a smaller airline anyway and we had to take some drastic decisions, 
yeah, that's where that's where um, we took the decision to uh, to close down Peru. Um, yeah, very very difficult, very hard. Great team out there, and and again, we've been fighting for years, but um, yeah, with COVID, didn't didn't leave us much uh, much choice. So let, uh, let's get into COVID then. We can talk more about that. So uh, you may have had your back to basics plan, but I think for anyone at an airline, things changed quickly as soon as. Uh, air travel ground to a halt for the most part. And uh, you had significant disruptions uh, just from government actions and, and things along those lines as well. So what what did COVID do to your strategy as, as much as you can have a strategy in a time where you just need tactical response, I guess? Yeah. So, so, so yeah, let's, let's leave maybe the tactical response out there because that was really messy, right? Um, lack of sure. government. Um, coherence or lack of coordination between between different countries and, and, and governments, really really complex. Um, I, I guess that's semi-criticism because we also understood, of course, for governments at that time it was really difficult, right? I mean, no one really knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, so if you if you focus more on on the strategic side of things, there's one element that we didn't really get into, which was the whole financial, in a way, transformation of the company and a tra- transformation plan that we had already built in 2019 um, called the Avianca 2021 plan. Um, and, and I think going into COVID, therefore, we already had this roadmap of what we wanted to achieve and how we wanted to achieve it. So that was, well, maybe call it the blessings in disguise because, um, hey, here we had our plan and we knew what we wanted to achieve and we knew how we were going to get there. And in a way, this was the final push to accelerate things, right? So, um, and I think many of those still stand. Of course, we have updated our business plan. Of course, we have updated our five-year plans. And of course, we're gonna we're gonna now see how to emerge and and, and what to do, right? Coming out of COVID, but um, but I think the, the groundwork had been done throughout 2019, and much of that plan still stands. So, what what had to change? Was there anything notable that had to change? Obviously probably size is one thing, but, um, you know, is there anything strategically that you felt needed to change uh, based on what's happened in the last year? Well, look, let, let's, let's again go back to 2019 and the reasons for why Avianca was in, was in the position that it was and, and, and why we, um, why we, why we joined, um, overstretched, had taken on too much risk, and even though it was profitable, it was really only paying for the debt servicing in a way, right? So, so you would never have um, sufficient, well, room to maneuver and do other other things. So, financially speaking, clearly we just had to lower our cost, right? And and um, that's been hey, any airline executive executive will always talk about lowering the cost. But again, we had the real plan about right all the debt reprofiling that we did everything else on 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 fleet simplification on network utilization everything else was already was already built and much of that again we 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 went into COVID with with all of those elements right same on digital processes same on on headcount reductions um we already did quite a bit on all those things prior to COVID. um so for us COVID was um yeah i guess a a again a trigger an accelerator if you like um, of, of things that we wanted to do anyway. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure bankruptcy was not part of the plan in 2019. 
but it, it effectively just accelerated your ability to get where you needed to go because you would have run out of money otherwise, I assume. Well, not a, not not of not of the demand set would would have been unchanged, right? I mean, that, not a, that's what I mean with COVID. Yeah, uh, that yeah was, no, uh, with with COVID, of course, yeah. Then it became somewhat of an easier decision. Um, back in 2019, we never really, I think, strongly considered going into Chapter 11. It's 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 been out there, and I remember having some discussions about it, but that was really around the fringes, um, right around the edges of it. But but in 2020, um, last year. Yeah, that was a very different, very different discussion, of course. Um, sure. And yes, um, chapter eleven. Look, we had seen it from from far afield in a way, right? I I worked with KLM when when Northwest uh, went into chapter eleven, and we've all seen what chapter eleven did to the U.S. airlines. Um, and I can tell you, as as hard as it is, as it is, and as as painful as as it is for many people, um, right? Suppliers and 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 creditors and. Hey, there's there's a lot of damage out there. I do think it's a it's it's a very well impressive tool almost you can use to to make sure the business continues, right? And to make sure that we that we are um, yeah regaining our healthy footing and that we come out much leaner, cleaner, healthier, um, stronger. Um, and yeah, I think we're using it to uh, to a, a great extent. Yeah. So let me let me ask you about a couple of different pieces of the uh, strategy of the company that are of interest to me. So one, um, I'm curious about Life Miles. So your frequent flyer program, I, I believe you you've spun part of it off, right? Or you sold part of it, if I remember. Not you, uh, but we the had, airline. We had we had Advent Advent International as a partner. Um, yeah. They were thirty percent um, owner, and and Avianca was a was a seventy percent owner. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you look at Life Miles now? I mean, I think I've seen more visibility around Life Miles and in the U.S. in terms of maybe trying to do bonus mile offers and try and get people to use the program, even if they're not uh, flying with the airline. I mean, is this something that needs to be more aligned with the airline or uh, what are your what are your plans for that program? Yeah. So 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 look, um, and some of the stuff we're also still working through as part of the business plan for for emergence and, and things. So we're probably not fully crystallized, but there's a few things definitely we can say. And, and you've seen it as well, hopefully. Um, so last summer, as part of the dip process, also, we we in a way we, we bought back, let's call it that way, right? The 30 percent of Advent. So, yes, um, right. The intention is that 100 percent of, of live miles is again fully um, ours, right? Fully ours and, and fully uh, airline again. Um, so that tells you, I think, a few things. It tells you, one, we really believe it's a strategic piece of the business. Um, there's 10 million people in that database um, that are loyal to us. Well, that is sizable, right? In our in our markets, 10 million people, um, of course, that we can, um, well, monetize through credit cards or, or what have you, right? What other um, elements are there? It's a coalition program, so so that's important. So one, it is very strategic to us. The fact that we brought it back it also means that, yeah, we definitely wanted more alignment and making sure that they can, um, they can, they can, um, they they are a vital part of of, of who we are and and what our customers want. Um, and I think also they do a lot of things very well. It's a well-run part of our business. Um, I'm happy that you also say that you've seen them very active in the United States, for instance. Um, it's a well-run part of our business. And going forward, 
knowing that, well, hey, domestic markets will recover faster than international markets um, and that leisure will rebound faster than corporate, for instance, I think there is actually a fantastic role for Life Miles to play because of the coalition program, right? In a way, you could say that maybe high um, high network or high net worth, um, uh, sorry, high, high value customers, right, coming out of Star, for instance, potentially over the next few years will be a bit less important to us, um, right? I'm not saying that they will not be important to us, but less important because of the international um, network developing or, or rebounding probably well slower than the domestic one. When you look at Life Miles, Life Miles has, has both, right? It has the star component, beautiful, but it has that coalition component in the domestic markets as well, which is so strong. So again, 10 million people in that database, yeah, um, very, very strategically important to us. The spin-off trend has not aged very well for many airlines. No, I, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. So you mentioned Star. Let, let's talk about partners here, in particular one partner. So United, how important is that uh, to you? It's sort of an awkward situation with Copa being a competitor, but also being a, a strong partner, and then with the joint venture application. Where does all this stand, and how important is that to, to you as an airline? Yeah, so let's let's tackle the, the second one first, right? How important are are, are United to us? Um, very straightforward, very important, great relationship, um, both with with Scott himself and also with a wider team. Of course, um, John Gibo has been a a critical part, and he deserves a, he deserves really a lot of credit for for what what has happened, all the good things that have happened to Avianca over the last over the last well, let's call it year and a half, two years. Um, really, really fantastic people to work with, and 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 that will um, that will remain forever in a way. Um, where we are with 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 um, well, hey, let's call it the threesome, right? With we're between United uh, United Cop and us. Yeah, they're they're unfortunately really one of the things that we haven't fully focused on because of COVID and really nothing else has been that. I think all all three individual airlines have been very busy just figuring out what the world. Uh, looks like um, in the next two weeks, um, right? Rather than even focusing on the next few years. So there, we need to pick that back up. It's been, it's as you know, for us, we were on the ground for six months. I think Copa was on the ground for about seven months. I think even a bit longer than we were. Um, and and they only started flying again. I think October, November. We we started flying again in September, October. Um, very messy, very convoluted, of course. Those those months for all of us. And it's just something that we need to pick back up. I think that's that's probably the fairest way to describe it. Do you see that as being a relationship that'll work though with Copa? Not United, I understand that, but with Copa, just you know, you've you've got your Central America focus, you have your Bogota focus. There's a lot of competition between the two of you, or there should be. Um, you know, is this something that you think is really sustainable? Well, I think there's various ways of looking at that. I, I, I have um, always believed that, yeah, that could work very well, um, right? And, and also personally, a lot of respect for what Copa has built over the years. Very strong hub, very good operation. And of course, also financially very sound, right? So, so what Pedro and, and the guys have done there, um, hats off, right? I think a lot of airlines can, can learn from that. Um, I think it's a question now for them as well. If we say, look, domestic will rebound faster than international, and uh, 
um, and 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 corporates, um, yeah, will not rebound as fast as as VFR. Well, where does that really leave Gopa? I think at least for the short term, right? I mean, their hub was um, exclusively built for international. I think maybe one destination or something. So that's of course something that they need to work through, and I'm I'm sure that they will. Um, so yeah, secondly, there wasn't much overlap on on the networks going into COVID at least. Um, it was really only a limited set of destinations where both of us uh, um, really, really flew. So, so I do think um, that at least prior to COVID, again, right, let's focus on pre-COVID. I think there, there was a hell of a lot of sense in, in that threesome and, and, and we were working really towards um, filing, filling for authorization with, with DOT, right? Um, yeah, and, and, and going forward, look, again, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it because we really haven't spent a lot of time thinking it through. I think at least um, it deserves uh, another round of good discussions on how we see things rebound and where we can still be very relevant for each other and, and pick up those discussions around the joint venture, um, right, the joint business agreement. I, I think we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the three companies and, and, and there's definitely, for me, still... A, uh, a viable option there and um, yeah I, I it's just really a matter of time that we should do that all right well I'll be curious to see how that one goes you may not have a lot of route overlap but you have a lot of O&D overlap at least uh, using different hubs to get to the different places so that it, yeah and that's and that's true but then again I mean if you look at for instance European Airlines or, or US Airlines both of them make that work through multiple hub exercises anyway right I mean it's it's not like you need just one and you focus on that one I mean Delta with with Air France and KLM and and, and of course Lufthansa with Munich and Frankfurt and what have you uh, with United I mean it works right I mean every single US airline has various hubs I I don't really see the issue um, there because that's exactly what a joint business agreement is meant to um, settle in a way, right? The financial settlement for that. But the joint business, it doesn't that only apply to the U.S. market, or is it more? Is it the entire yeah. network? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it was, so it was you... yeah, it was North South. Yeah, it was the yeah. Yeah, so you'll still compete in several markets. Well, that'll be interesting to see where that goes. <laughs> Um, we'll so let, let me. You know. uh, we'll, we'll keep yeah. you posted. Oh, I'm sure I'll be watching. It'll be fascinating. Uh, so let me. I'll finish up with one last question. Uh, not not a lot of new uh, international routes being announced to the U.S. these days, uh, but here you are flying from San Salvador to Ontario. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on with that? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say it. I, I I didn't even really frame it that way. That 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 there hadn't been a lot of new route openings. But yeah, um, well, it shows you. I think that we're just again executing on on the plan that we had also prior to COVID, and of course with adjustments here or there. But um, but that that was one that we had on the map already for quite a while. Um, there's of course a big Latin American population in the wider Los Angeles catchment area. Um, and Ontario seemed like a logical fit to us already prior to COVID. Um, we were planning actually on doing this, if I recall correctly, last year. Well, it must have been May, June-ish. Um, and then so when COVID started, February, March, we decided to punt. And, uh, and, and, and I think this year, VFR, as we said, right, VFR and, and um, while well, taking a front seat and, and, uh, and corporate potentially taking the back seat, it makes a hell of a lot of sense, right? So, um, so here we are, um, and starting uh, starting in a few months, 
um, Salvador to uh, Salvador to, to to Ontario. Yeah. And so th- this is something that it's that VFR focus, as you mentioned, the catchment right around Ontario is good for that. Uh, and I should note, Ontario is a sponsor of this podcast, but that did not have anything to do okay. with why I'm asking this question. I, I, uh, didn't, know. I didn't know. No, 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 no. It's yeah. fine. I, I just I'm very curious about it. So is this uh, is this a, a, a I mean, you mentioned VFR versus business. Is this instead of LAX? I mean, not Bogota, of course, but uh, or is this just an additional market for you that you no, see opportunity? No, this, this okay. would be would be additional. Yeah. So, can we look for more of these types of markets in the U.S. or do you have more on your on your plate right now of VFR focused uh, markets? Yeah, yeah. I think I think probably every airline is looking, of course, now at what COVID means, and again, what what do the different well, what's the rebound of the different segments, and um, and when do we expect strong rebounds? Um, and again, having seen VFR, of course, rebounding um, faster than some of the corporate stuff. Yeah, definitely. We have uh, we have more up our sleeves and uh, and more to come. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll leave it on that cliffhanger right there to find out okay. what is next. We'll, we'll be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Anko. I appreciate it. And that was the end of our conversation. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, Ontario International Airport. If you'd like to give feedback on this podcast or even better, be a sponsor, Send me a note at cf at crankyflyer.com. And that's it for this episode. Until next time.